Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Jerry, don't let us for the moon. We have the stars. I'm Spartacus! I'm Spartacus! To infinity and beyond! This is Simon Rose. You join me for the business of film where I... I'm talking to James Cameron Wilson. We're going to be looking at what's happened in the um, UK box office. And along the way, um, James will be telling us what films are worth seeing and what films are worth avoiding. Where do we begin today, James? Well, we usually talk about how the box office fared the previous weekend. And I'm glad to say, due to the unexpected performance of a new movie, it jumped up by 22%. The new movie is at number one, and it's called Creed Three which made £5,003,000 for a per-cinema average of 7,757 quid, which Ooh. is considerably more than the first two Creed films performed. The first one made £2.2 and the second one made £3 So this is in reverse to what films usually do, looking at, for instance, Mad... Uh, Magic Mike, which is making less and less mm. each time they produce a, a new one. And the first, Magic Mike 3 has made considerably less than the first two. So Creed 3 was a huge surprise to the... A very nice surprise. I confess I haven't the seen the, the first two. I don't know whether I would. I mean, I, I think I saw one, one and a half or maybe two Rocky films. Because that's there. it's sort of following in on from Rocky, isn't it? Is that right? It is, yes. Yeah. Well... We're talking about Creed, as in Adonis Creed, son of Apollo Creed, the heavyweight champ played by Carl Weathers, who defeated Rocky Balboa. Mm. It's hard to com comprehend that Rocky has been going in one form or another for 47 years. <laughs> and Sylvester Stallone, who came up with the idea in the first place, is now 76 years old. Here, for the first time, he takes a back seat, at least from the camera and serves as one of the nine producers, along with Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan. Jordan, who also plays Adonis Creed, this time picks up the directorial reins, much as Stallone did with Rocky Two, Three, Four, and Rocky Six. With so many producers on board, it's hard to know where the credit goes. In fact, if you include the associate and executive producers, there are a total of 18 producers in all, which seems strange considering the series seems like it could run an autopilot <laughs> by now. The most significant names here are Ryan Coogler, his wife Zinzi Coogler, who is also executive producer, and Ryan's brother Keenan Coogler, who co-wrote the screenplay. It was Ryan Coogler, of course, who directed Michael B. Jordan, in his first film, Coogler's uh, first film, Fruitville Station, and then in Creed, and then 
in Black Panther. So this is a director-star combo that has proved enormously fruitful for both the actor and the filmmaker, with Jordan now in the director's seat himself. The original Rocky saw the protagonist as the underdog, and here Creed is anything but being a hugely successful wealthy icon who has now retired from the ring, but who runs a very successful boxing academy, models for Ralph Lauren, and has a beautiful wife, a rock star, no less, played by Tessa Thompson. So they pretty much have everything, including a mansion in Los Angeles, which has its own boxing ring, recording studio, and rooftop lounge. And together they have sired the smartest, cutest eight-year-old on the planet. But of course, when you have accumulated everything that Adonis Creed has, you then have everything to lose. I think any successful boxing film rests on the ability to root for the protagonist. Michael B. Jordan is likability incarnate. But then every boxer has a past, and Adonis's past reaches out of the gutter to bite him in the back. And it's a past he hasn't even told his wife about because of the shame. Then one day at the, the gym, a stranger accosts him, a man he doesn't recognise at first, with whom he shared that very past. I'm quite intrigued to know Anderson. why he goes to a gym if he's got his own boxing ring and everything else at home. Because he runs the gym. Oh, right. Oh, OK, right. It's Makes a boxing sense. academy, which okay, he's in right. charge of. Oh, I see. OK, right. So, yeah, he, he does go there every day <laughs> to check on the um, the people that he mentors. Yes, I see. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, anyway, he finds this guy, Damien Anderson, played by Jonathan Majors. Damien or Dame has served 18 years in jail, and in spite of his age, he wants to return to the ring, which is mad, of course. But this is, in essence, at least Rocky Nine, and anything can happen in these films. Dame is convinced that he has what it takes to overcome his age and his lack of experience to be a contender. He just needs somebody on the inside to give him a chance. By... By handing on the baton from character to character, one could string out the Rocky franchise <laughs> indefinitely. And I don't think fans will be disappointed by this <clears throat> latest edition. I don't think it will be a spoiler to say that there are boxing matches. It would be odd if there weren't. But there's a lot more going on as well. There are outside pressures on the creed marriage, and in secret, Adonis is teaching his daughter how to stand up for herself with her fists, which backfires at school, of course. Boxing, he tells her, is not about how hard you can hit, but about timing, focus, and control, which could be just as apl applicable in any real-life situation. Meanwhile, Bianca Taylor Creed, Tessa Thompson, is having to step down from her singing career due to her congenital deafness, a condition she has passed on to their daughter, necessitating Adonis to learn American Sign Language, which he appears to have done effortlessly. It's hard to escape the formula of the series, but the new film does come with its rushes of adrenaline, and most importantly, I did care for its protagonists. I'm not sure some of the fantasy sequences in the ring really worked, where the ring turns into a cage, but it is a very polished, well-directed, crowd-pleasing affair. And you can't ask for more than that.
I suppose so. Assuming you actually like boxing movies. Well, if you don't like boxing movies, I'd uh, suggest you go. <clears throat> don't go anywhere near it. No, I think I probably will avoid it. I mean, I've even I quite enjoyed Rocky, but uh, yeah, that's enough for me, frankly. Um, okay, James, um, that's number one. And that's a what? Five million in a weekend? Five, uh, five million, three thousand. Yeah, yeah. Wow. in three days. Great. Impressive. Impressive. And at two, we've got Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, which was at number one, down 53%, which I thought was pretty dire, with a total now of £17.2 million. Pounds. Three, which I, I just don't know which one I would want to see again least. Uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. <laughs> Yes. Which was at number two, uh, two down thirty-five percent for a total of twenty-two point one million. Which means there'll probably be a third Puss in Boots. Uh, again, another film I thought was just as dire as the aforementioned Cocaine Bear, which was at number three, down thirty-one percent for a total of three point six million. But the surprise favourite in the top five for me was What's Love Got to Do with It down only 22% for a total of 2.7 million, which I think you were quite pleasantly yes, pleased with. Yes, yeah, very nice. Uh, 2.7 doesn't seem a massive amount, though, does it? No, no. It's Lily James, and it's about arranged marriages, and I heartily recommend it if you like a yeah, rom-com. But, well, really exactly, good. but people tend to like a rom-com. I'm wondering why it's not picking up the rom-com-starved crowd, because it's been, a, it's been quite a long time since we had a decent rom-com. Maybe it's the crossover because the Pakistani people who flock to see Hindi films and mm. Pakistani films and um, are thrown off by the fact it's also got Lily James and Emma Thompson. In yes. It. Um, and it's neither one thing or the other. But I found it very educational, fascinating, smart, funny, and ultimately moving, which is yep. you can't ask I, more for it. I agree. I agree. Okay. Uh, well, number six, five. we've yep. got Demon Slayer to the Swordsmith Village, which is a 15-certificate Japanese anime action adventure. At number seven, we've got the aforementioned Magic Mike's Last Dance, which was at number five, down 43% for a total of 5.5 million. At number eight, we've got Avatar The Way of Water, down 36% for a total of £76.5 million. Still the 11th highest grossing film of all time in the UK. But because it is dropping quite fast now, I think everybody's seen it who wanted to see it, it's unlikely to top the gross of Titanic. Epic Tales is the strongest holdover of the week at number nine, which was at number seven, for a total now of £1.7 million. And we have a new film at number 10 called Heaven in Hell which is a Polish romantic drama. I, I, I did look it up on IMDb. couldn't really understand. It was not a very good translation. But I, I think it's basically about a man who is sleeping with a woman and then ends up with her daughter and all things go pear-shaped. I think I worked <laughs> right. that much out from the, okay. the poor translation. And remind me the actual level of box office generally. I, I forgot what you said right at the beginning now. Uh, it's jumped by 22% from the previous weekend, which, of oh, course, has dropped by 40%. Or Creed, yeah. Okay, super. Well, well, James, thanks let's to take, Creed 3. Let's take a, a break, and then we'll see what else you have been seeing. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. Um, you're listening to The Business of Film on Share Radio, where James Cameron Wilson has been taking us through the box office chart led by Creed 3 with a five billion take. So, James, where do we go now? Well, as you know, I don't have a car, a car at the moment. So um, I'm quite limited. I, I did cycle to see Creed 3 for this programme. Um, this is, so I should I, point out, James does not live in a massive conurbation. Cycling to see Creed 3 uh, is something of a, 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 a test for body as well as mind, I imagine. Well, I was amazed. I did it in under an hour. Well, about an hour. 59 minutes, I think. <laughs> the hills right. are very good for you, James. So I'm Gosh, the hills. Don't Yeah, the hills. Um, so I... I Clocked on to yes, see somebody the hills are I used alive to know. with the sound of grunting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a real shock at the beginning of somebody I used to know, and that was the sight of a black bear strolling down a street. And this was the day after I had barely survived cocaine bear. Mm. Then I realised it was just the logo for Black Bear Pictures, a co-producer of somebody I used to know. The odd thing, the other odd thing, that this is a rom-com about a documentary filmmaker whose latest project is cancelled, and so she decides to make the subject of her next film a wedding. You'd be forgiven for thinking I'm about to review What's Love Got to Do With It, which is about Yes, because she was filmmaker. a documentary. Yes, I exactly yes. what I thought. <laughs> whose latest project is cancelled, and so she decides to make the subject of her next film a wedding. I, I suppose if you see as many movies as I do, there are bound to be some crossovers. But this was ridiculous. Somebody I used to know is screening on Amazon Prime and stars Alison Brie as Ali, a Washington native who has moved to Los Angeles to achieve her dream of making world-changing works of non-fiction. Instead, she has become very successful, albeit as the presenter and creator of a hit reality food show called Dessert Island. However... The third season is not much of a hit as the first, and so the series is cancelled, and Ali decides to regroup, return home, and see what her mother looks like after all these years, played by Julie Haggerty. I should point out that somebody I used to know is scripted by Alison Brie herself in collaboration with her husband, Dave Franco, who also directs. And obviously she knows of what she writes. But what is interesting about the film is that Ali is such an unsympathetic character. And yet Alison, Alison Brie makes it entirely watchable, largely because she's also funny, intelligent and effortlessly attractive. There's a wonderful scene when she returns to her hometown of Leavenworth in Washington, which has, mod which has been modelled on a German Bavarian village and has become a huge year-round tourist destination. It really is surreal. And it is against this backdrop of 
drinking beer from steins, consuming industrial-sized pretzels and watching maypole dancing and an alpenhorn concerto, that she reconnects with Sean, the man she left behind, to pursue a career in Hollywood. They really do make a cute couple and actually spend the entire night strolling down memory lane, sampling the Germanic pleasures of Leavenworth. But the grit in the oyster is that Sean, sympathetically embodied by Jay Ellis, doesn't tell Ali that he is engaged to be married. Well, for most of the film's running time, I was happily entertained and curious to see where it's all going. I found the switch in tone from gross-out comedy to movie-savvy satire to something attempting to be more profound about discovering who we are, the somebody I used to know, a somewhat uneasy mix. But because the players are so watchable, I sort of went along with it, if ultimately I'm not sure... I would recommend the film to that many people. Haley Joel Osment, remember him? I do. Turns up as a chubby, bearded local who has the misfortune to name-check two movie stars whose fortunes have already drastically altered since the film was shot. Brendan Fraser, who he's described as a blast from the past, and Jeremy, he says Jeremy Renner's available, when, of course, the former is now very much part of the... Well, he's not available after his near-fatal accident in Nevada, in which he broke 30 bones after an encounter with a snowplow, which was rather unfortunate. But, you know, it was it was fine. Um, Alison Brie, I think, is a very talented comic actress who's underused. But I, I think, unlike What's Love Got to Do With It, Somebody I used to know, I just wasn't emotionally engaged as much as I felt I should be. And nor did I laugh that much. So Hayley Joel Osment did something recently, and I can't remember what it was. It's bugging me. Well, but I was very surprised because Michael Caine told me that when he worked with Hayley Joel Osment, he was surprised how tall he was. And he said he was six foot one. There's no way Hayley Joel Osment is six foot one. Looking at him with all the other actors, in all, unless all the other actors in the film are seven. No, I can't remember what film he was in with Michael Caine. Um, something about lions with Robert Duvall. We will be lions or something. Oh gosh, yes, yes, yes. Long, long time ago. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I haven't seen Michael Caine for a while, but I've got one more film if I could squeeze that in. Yes, of course, um, James. Um, it's been a while since I've reviewed a new Netflix release, so I hopped on to see what the latest big attraction was, which turned out to be We Have a Ghost. The phrase, We Have a Ghost, crops up quite a lot with variations. We have an actual ghost, and we have a ghost in the attic, and so forth. Of course, nobody believes in ghosts these days, and what were the advances in digital trickery on social media, holograms and the like... And I don't know about you, but I've become pretty tired of haunted house movies of late. However, there are a number of surprises in We Have a Ghost, written and directed by Christopher Landon, who brought us Freaky. So I think I can give away the first surprise, or we wouldn't have a review, or even a premise. The movie opens on a static shot of a large suburban house in Chicago, with a massive full moon perched on its roof. We then hear screams and a family flies out the front door, piles into their car and screeches out of shot. 
the camera doesn't move, but the light changes and the house attains an unkempt air beneath a caption that reads, one year later. And then another car pulls into the frame and we get to meet the Presleys, who, as it quickly becomes apparent, have fallen on some rather hard times. And as Frank and Melanie Presley, Anthony Mackie and Erica Ash, venture into the foreboding building, the teenage Kevin stays in the car listening to his headphones. He's seen it all before, and he doesn't care one way or another. Frank Presley thinks the place is a steal. It's a buyer's market, he's told. Mm. But his wife is not so sure. Nothing like bad happened here, right? She asks. (laughs) Anyway, um, Kevin has a look around. They do move in to the house, and he's lying in bed one night, and he hears footsteps above the ceiling. You'd (laughs) never never absolutely (laughs) believe it. So he gets his iPhone, which doubles as a torch, and he goes upstairs, and he sees David Harbour, a very spooky version of David Harbour, with an even spookier comb-over. And he just laughs and roars with laughter. Um, but even though the temperature has plummeted, uh, it is a real ghost. So <laughs> this is definitely more in the vein of Beetlejuice than the Netflix horror film His House, which also featured a black couple ill-equipped to purchase. So, what, purchase so, so, so a decent comedy, property. comedy horror, then really? Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Watchable um, or not? Um, well, <laughs> I think ultimately it ends up being far too ambitious for its own good. There are two or three, and I counted them, laugh out loud moments. Mm. I think David Harbour is terrific. It's basically about an is. apparition with amnesia. But then it, try, it you can tell it's a real Netflix release because yeah. it's totally very similar to sex education and Stranger Things. But then it just goes on and on. It's over two hours. And I, it was a shame because I was losing interest near the end. Oh, uh, that's a shame. So, so that's um, Netflix and it's called We Have a Ghost. We Have a Ghost. <laughs> James, thank you very much indeed. That's it for this edition of The Business, excuse me, of The Business of Film. I want to be alone. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. (laughs) Aren't you?